Okay. Amazing. So we are on um, the book of Michelet, the book of Proverbs with commentary by Malbim, a 19th century Eastern European rabbi. And let us get started. All right. So we are on verse 19. Those of you who are following along in this book, we're on page 200. Okay, here we go. Yud test 19. Um, Gidol Chema, no se onesh. A man of great wrath shall suffer punishment. Kiim tatzil tosi. For if you would bring rescue, you would only add to it. Okay, so we're talking here about anger and about the pernicious effects of anger. Hi, Ellen, how are you? Um, and about, um, how a person who gets angry, there will always be fallout. There will, there will always be consequences, right? It's not like, it's not like a person can get angry and then be like, oh, whoops, that was a mistake. Okay. No harm done. No such thing. There will be harm done. Okay. And there's going to be a mess to clean up and, and a person has to know that they're going to face those consequences. Okay. For if you were to bring rescue, you will only add to it. So the commentary, the Malbim says that this reverse, this reverts back to the previous verse. So we have to go back for a second to the previous verse. So if we go back a verse, I'll just remind you what we talked about because it was two weeks ago and I don't expect you guys to remember. Chasten your son for there is hope and do not burden your spirit with his noisy wailing. Do you guys remember that one? Right. That if you're trying to tell your kid what to do and they don't, they don't like it and they're noisily wailing. Okay, whether that's an actual child crying or a full-blown grown-up temper tantrum, right? So don't pay attention to that. Like sometimes your kids will not like it when you tell them what to do. I don't know if this is news to anybody, probably not. Okay, so here we're saying that if you bring rescue, if you try to rescue your kid or a kid from the discomfort of them suffering the consequences of what they've done wrong, Okay, you're only going to add to the punishment when it's at the end of the verse. You will only add to it. It means you will add to the punishment. You're just going to make things worse. Do not try to rescue a child from that discomfort. That discomfort is good for them because that's going to be the thing that's going to teach them that acting well is actually the point. Yeah, CP. I'm like bursting, Rachel. Literally everything you're saying is my whole entire life. I'm literally bursting. But can I share a story that happened that illustrates exactly your point? I don't know the rules yet of this of this group. The rule is that if you want to talk, I call on you and then you talk. Oh, that's such a good rule. I'm obsessed. I love structure. Okay, great. <laughs> so yesterday, a 20-year-old girl who I mentored since high school reached out to me because she wanted to get a raise. Um, but she was so awkwarded out, her words, not mine, to reach out to her supervisor to ask for a raise. And I was stoically there doing nothing but supporting like, well, what do you think you should do? She's like, well, can you write it for me? I said, why don't you draft it and send it to me? Cause in the past when my staff wanted a raise, I, I didn't go to them. I wanted to see if they had self-advocacy and they can come to me. So I wanted to give her the same self-advocacy I've given my staff for 20 years. And then she did it. And then she sent me a voice note this morning, bursting with pride. I had the best conversation. She's definitely going to give me a raise. She said that she wants us to come to her. Everything you said is what happened. I feel so good. That's literally, roughly, this literally happened to me. So That's I'm bursting. Thank you for awesome. sharing it. Thank you for that illustration. CP is a therapist, by the way, for those of you. Oh, I'm a trauma who, therapist, everybody. And I work with teenagers. So everything Ruthie always <laughs> says I love. Okay. Okay. Hi, Nahama. And hello, iPhone. I don't know who you are, but you're welcome to be here. Okay. Alan. I'm sorry. I just saw so, Alan. I got so excited. Yeah, CP, there's a bunch of Clevelanders here. So this can be your like happy <laughs> Cleveland. 
I am. I, I'm, I'm, I need Cleveland. Rookie, thank you. Oh, and is that Dana? Hi, Dana. How are you? Okay, so let's go to the commentary on the bottom of page 200. Only punishment leads a person. Hold on. I'm just going to close my door because there's a meeting on the other side of it. I like to keep my office door open because the office, the women in the office say they like to listen to my partial class, to my Muslim class, but there's a meeting going on on the other side of the wall and it's distracting me. Okay. So here we go. Only punishment leads a person to calm down from wrath, right? So this is actually a novel interpretation because if you look at the verse, the verse says a man of great wrath shall suffer punishment, which seems pretty straightforward. Like I said in the first place, right? If you get angry, there are going to be consequences that you're going to have to suffer because there will be fallout from your anger. But now, Malvin, this rabbi is saying, one second, maybe you could read it like this. A man of great wrath shall suffer punishment, meaning the punishment that comes from his wrath is actually going to be the thing to cure the wrath. Because then the person getting angry will finally learn, oh my gosh, like, this is what happens when I get angry. Whew, maybe I need to work on my anger management skills. Now, referring this verse to the previous one, we're on page 201, it would mean discipline your wayward son and do not try to save him from his punishment or you will destroy the fruit it will bear. Meaning life is the best teacher. And if you try to insert yourself and intervene and protect your protege from their consequences, what you're actually doing is you're obstructing the learning process and you are not doing anyone a favor. Okay. So this is actually something very interesting. I remember there was a woman who came with me on a Shabbaton and she had been in education for decades and she's retired now. And one of the things that she said was she could not stay in education anymore because parents have changed so much. So I said, what do you mean? Like, in what way have you seen that? You know, the parents have changed so much. So she's like, the parents used to want the teachers to discipline the kids because they were aiding them in the education process. She's like, now the parents all want to rescue their kids from the education process. And they're all jumping in and undermining the teachers and getting in between the teachers and the students. So now the teach the teachers feel like their hands are tied because they have to deal with these helicopter and um, lawnmower and whatever other appliances these <laughs> parents are um, because all they want to do is rescue their kids. Literally exactly what King Solomon said 3000 years ago. If you try to, um, if you try to bring rescue, if you try to rescue your kid from life's consequences, you're just going to make everything worse. So don't do that. You know, sometimes my kid will come home from school and I always say this, my favorite parenting word in the whole English vocabulary, those of you who are in my uh, muster classes know this, my favorite parenting word is, huh. It's a full sentence. It's a full sentence, Gail. So like my kid will come home from school and say, I have the worst teacher ever. I don't know why she's a teacher. She hates kids. She screams the whole day. I'm like, huh. You know, <laughs> and, and a part of me is like, I'm going to call that school. And why is that? Teacher? I'm like, no, 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 no. Let the situation pan out the way it needs to pan out. And your kid will learn whatever lessons they need to learn. I'm, I'm here. I'm being compassionate. I'm listening. I'm being validated, but I cannot rescue my kid from life because it will not help them in the long run. 
Okay. And, and by the way, this is not just true of my kid. I've had situations where I'm at, let's say, my Shabbat table, and I'll have a whole variety of people around the table, and these people are talking about this, and these people, and I'm like, oh my gosh, why did they say that? That was awkward. That was embarrassing. That was uncomfortable. I'm like, it is not my job to rescue everybody from everybody. People people need to learn the lessons they need to. I'm not God. I don't need to insert myself into every controversy. I can just let things play out the way they need to play out, and people will learn the things that they need to learn. You know, um, and I think some of us are like helicopters, not just in parenting, but in general, we want to put on our cape and save every situation. You know, you don't need to do that. If somebody says something uncomfortable to another person and they get a really uncomfortable response in return, well, hopefully they'll learn something from that. You don't need to be the instrument of every outcome. Okay. Thoughts, comments, questions on verse 19. Hi, Debbie. Debbie's driving. I love what you just said, Rookie. That's, am I on mute? You're unmuted. Okay. Hi, everyone. I love what you just said, Rookie. You don't have to be the instruments of um, solving everyone's um, problem. The cape. I recognize the cape. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that that's not a that's not a uh that's that that's not a um accolade. That's not a foreign concept <laughs> um and that's not a like i'm not tuning my own horn that's not a like a goal um so uh, another thing that my girlfriend and i Lori, um my dear friend who doesn't live by me says is that's fascinating and it really <laughs> the edge off like <laughs> That's fascinating. It's not not even in a judgy way, but like if somebody comes to us, a husband, a a kid, oh, that's fascinating. Like you're listening, but like no judgment, but like there's just, tell me more. I'm sitting here, but I'm not solving the problem, making the call, you know. Right, right. That's great. Yeah. So that's fascinating. I might be stealing that. Yeah. Everyone has, and it really works. That's great. Thank you. Bye. Stacy, it's that's an interesting. This is an interesting verse because, um, like you said, in schools they make things easier for the kids. And I was always saying, thank goodness for COVID, where I found out what my own kid was capable of or not. Because the teachers used to say to me about him, "Well, you know, what if he can't handle it?" I'm like, "Well, let's find out now." Like I'd rather find out now than when he's 25. I'm like, nail that kid to the wall. They go, really? You really want to do this? I'm like, yes. <laughs> That's great. I'll, I'll tell you guys a beautiful story. Actually, totally the opposite. Um, the opposite of a helicopter parent. So I read this story this week in um, one of these Jewish magazines. Hi, Naomi. Um, and and Susan. Hi, Susan. Anyway, so the story was this, um, there's this rabbi, his name is Rabbi Eisenman. He lives in Passaic, New Jersey. And he was telling the story about this, this kid in school who, um, the parent got a phone call that he had hit someone. 
and the parent, the, the school had a zero tolerance policy with hitting. So they were calling the parent to let them know that um, they were going to be sending the kid home. But the principal says to the, I don't know if he spoke to the mom or the dad, it was the dad writing the column. So I guess he, he spoke to the dad and he said, listen, I just want to tell you something. When you pick your kid up from school, I want you to stop off for ice cream on the way home. So the parent's like, what? Why should I pick him up? Why should I take him out for ice cream if he's being punished for hitting a kid? So the principal says, well, I want to give you the context. There was a kid in school that was being bullied and your son stood up to the bully and hit the bully. So he's like, I have to give this, I have to send the kid home because all the kids know if you hit, you get sent home, but you should actually know that your son is a hero. And I told it to him and I want you to reward you. You have to pick him up. That's a punishment, but I want you to reward him on the way home. So the rabbi concludes this little piece by saying that boy was my son. And that day that he stood up to the bully, that kid was never bullied again. And he says, and now my son is in Gaza fighting for the IDF, standing up for the bully again. And he said, we've never forgotten that ice cream. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Great story. So that's where, that's such an example, great example of the opposite, where the parent and the school are working in tandem, you know, for the greater good of the child and for the greater educational lesson, you know, that the child is going to learn. So I, that story just really touched my heart. I wanted to share it with you guys. Okay. Any other thoughts or comments on 19 before we move on? Can I say something? Please. Um, <clears throat> I'm telling you, Hashem wanted me here. This is the only conclusion that Hashem wanted me here. Like this is my first class and everything you said so far is my life. But yesterday I had, I've, I've had a difficult time the last few months. I've been going through something and my family is ferocious. They make the mafia look like first grade boys. However, they have no skills, none. They've never learned skills because they still study the Talmud all day. So they don't know boundaries and self-regulation. And if they feel threatened or they think that I need help, they just jump in, not knowing that, like, I can do it. I'm an adult. I've been an adult for a long time. So something happened yesterday with a family member, and I was just a normal adult, put up a boundary. They were just a normal mafia member and violated it. And um, I, I lost it. I freaked out. I, I don't think I've ever lost my temper in my life. There's a few people here who know me. I'm not an angry person. I don't think I've ever lost my temper. Anyhow, I lost my temper. I don't know. I don't think I ever have. Like I'm having my heart pounding as I say the story. And my family member who has beautiful character traits because they studied Musser put up an appropriate boundary with me. And I immediately apologized and told him I handled it wrong. And I suffered the consequences. And I had a hard time falling asleep last night. And it was the best gift God could have given me, realizing that when you lose your temper, you hurt those who love you the most. And I'm so grateful that you said it the way you said it today. So thank you for sharing that. Wow. Thank you for your story. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of amazing that whenever we come together to study Torah, like I feel like it's exactly what I need to hear. And I know many of you exactly. have that word you for word, exactly what you need to hear. So it's really, it's so miraculous every time. Thank you. All right. Verse 20. Here we go. Uh, Shema Itza, the Kabel Musar, listen to advice and accept moral instruction, right? Musar is being translated here as moral instruction. That you may be wise in your later years. So the word Shema, right? 
many people are familiar with that word, listen. Eitza means advice. Listen to advice. Listen to other people's advice. Don't think that you're the only person who knows what's up. There are people out there who can help. The Kabel Musar, and when moral instruction, when Musar comes your way, accept it. Now, Musar can come your way in a variety of, of ways, right? Either it can come from your own heart, where you're teaching yourself Musar, right? Like, uh, like Hannah Perel in your story, where you were like, oh my gosh, well, actually, no, in your case, it came from outside of you. But sometimes the minute we do something, we experience no, yes. this thing of right. regret, right? Probably in the moment. you No, have- it happens immediately. As soon as I sent it, and I'm just going to say, because you said my name, my friend told me not to. I was so angry, but I first consulted with a friend because I've learned muster my whole life. And I asked her what to do. And she told me just, and I, I drafted the message that she told me on the phone because I couldn't trust myself. I knew I was so upset. I couldn't trust myself. And then she said, don't send anything else. And she hung up and I removed that external consequence for myself. And I blew up and sent a bunch of voice notes that I absolutely should not have sent. And I immediately regretted it. And then when that person was appropriate and respectful, because God teaches you how to resolve conflict, I just had pain. Everything you're saying is what happened to me. Wow. So, right. So sometimes that, that Musar message comes from within yourself where you feel your own discomfort or regret with your behaviors. Sometimes it comes from outside of you, from other people. Like, you know, somebody might reflect back to you that your, you know, attitude was inappropriate or you crossed a boundary or you made them uncomfortable or whatever the case may be. And sometimes Musar comes from, you know, you, you read something in a book or you hear something on a podcast or you hear somebody say something that has nothing to do with you. And it helps open up awareness within your mind about where you need to do better. So all of those different streams or avenues are Musar. And the point here that King Solomon is saying is that you should be open to accepting that Musar. When it comes your way, even though our knee-jerk reaction is to reject it and to get defensive, but really try to open up your heart and mind and ask yourself, is there something that I can learn from this? Okay, and it's it's especially difficult to accept when it comes from somebody else, especially somebody else that you don't particularly care for or that you don't really know if they have your best interests in mind. But the unfortunate and uncomfortable truth is that sometimes those people do have wisdom for you. And King Solomon is asking us to keep an open mind to accept the Musar no matter where it comes from. No matter who the messenger was, the message may well be valuable. So keep your mind open. Okay, that's the first part of the verse. Shema Eitza, listen to advice for Kabel Musar and accept Musar, accept moral instruction. Why? Laman Techkam, the word the word Techkam comes from the Hebrew word Chacham, which means wise. Chachma is wisdom. In order that you should be wise, Ba'acharitecha, in your later years. So we're not looking just to have wisdom in the short term. Our goal is to have wisdom in the long term. We want to get better with age, like fine wine. We want to be able to like look back at a decade ago and say, you know what? I am so much wiser than I was 10 years ago. There are things that I did 10 years ago that I wouldn't do today. And I always say this, you know, to my kids when they look at like pictures of themselves from like middle school or something. And they're like, oh my gosh, why did I look like that? Why did I wear that? You know, and I'm like, hey, what if you look at it like this? First of all, I think you look adorable, but okay, not the point. Aww. What if you what if you look at it like this? 
I have progressed in my fashion savvy. Good for me. So, right. So sometimes we look back at the things we said or did in the past and we feel so embarrassed of our previous habits or modes of thought or whatever. But what if you could look at it like, but look at me, I have grown, I have changed. If you never look back and cringe, it means you haven't progressed That's and right. changed at all in like two years, three years, five years, ten years, right? So you want to be able to say like, I want wisdom in the long term. I want wisdom over the long haul. And I want to be able to get better and better with every year so that at my ripe old age, whatever that will be, I can look back and say, wow, I have come such a long way. I am so proud of myself. So of course, you know, we're going to have bumps in the road where we need to, going back to the first half of the verse, where we need to ask others for advice and we need to accept moral instruction and we need to recalculate and correct course. That's okay. The goal isn't short-term perfection. The goal is long-term growth. And right. as we know, long-term growth is often a very circuitous path. It's often a detour. It's often you have to go down in order to go up. You have to make, make mistakes in order to learn. You have to experiment and try different things in order to know what works for you. So don't get bogged down in the short-term you know, mistakes or failings or miscommunications. That's okay. That's all stepping stones to growth. As long as Overall, the general progression is up. You're good. I was even reading something about this in terms of social media because we hired a new social media manager at JFX. And, you know, so we were very closely watching how many followers does JFX have? So I was reading this article about how, you know, there's, it's normal to have fluctuations in your followers. Like people will unfollow you. People will follow you, whatever. That's all fine. That's all totally normal. Right. The question is like over the quarter, did you in general grow in your followers? So, right. So of course, nobody is going to only grow in their followers. There's always going to be people who are going to unfollow you. Or like for me in my past, like 23 years since we moved to JFX and 18, 19 years since we, sorry, since we moved back to Cleveland, 18, 19 years since we started JFX, you know, I was recently at a Shiva house and I saw somebody, I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen her in years. She used to be involved in JFX and she used to come to my classes. And I felt a little sad. I was like, oh, why did she leave? Why did she, you know, drop off? Oh, that's kind of sad. But the truth is everywhere I look, there are people who have used to be involved with our program and have dropped off, but that's okay. You know, people will come and go. The question is overall has right, their right, 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 right. community and connection and projection. And if so, then, you know, you're, you're in a good place. And the same thing is true with ourselves, right? It, the long-term fluctuations, that's part of being a human being, but over the long haul, we want to make sure that we're growing. Okay. Let's go to the commentary. A human being, this is on page 201. A human being believes himself full of possibilities potential modes of thought and courses of action to choose as he wills. So some people look at life, what, what the commentary is explaining here is that some people look at life as like, here is this wide kind of like buffet of possibilities, right? I could do this. I could do this. I could make these choices. I could make those choices. I could act like this person. I could act like this person. Totally up to me. I can do whatever I want. Yet, the single counselor plan that actually goes into practical effect is often decided by Hashem. Um, sorry, I'm totally reading the wrong. Oh, there is no commentary on this verse. Fascinating. How did I not see that? 
I don't think there has ever been a verse yet that we haven't had a commentary on. That's really interesting. Okay. So in that case, we're going to move on to 21, um, which we did not read yet. So before we go on to 21, thoughts, comments on 20. In, um, I, I said this to you very recently that studying Musser has helped me so much to be that, you know, maybe in my mind, a bigger person to say, oh, I'm wrong. And one of my one moment that sticks out in a um, work setting, somebody said something to me in a very rude way. And it was really not nice. And it hurt my feelings and blah, blah, blah. And to this day, I've not done uh, a project wow. in the same way. And it changed how I work. And it was so hard. I did make it and learn from it. And that was great. So you're saying that this rude, hurtful comment that this person made actually- It was more the have... way the person said it, I'm going to say. Okay. Yeah. But it did have validity for you is what you're saying. Sure. And you were able to implement what she said. Yeah. And, it, and, and instead of being like, it was a he, he's so rude, mean, but I was like, okay, great. Wow. That. So that Whoa, was- I, I think about that a lot because I you see more than stomp out of the room. <laughs> you don't strike me as a stomp out of the room. Well, of. not stomp, but secretly in my mind, stomp out of the room. <laughs> Ignore. That's great. Um, am I, 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 it's a big testament to who you are as well, that you were able to do that. Um, in my book, Soul Construction. Yeah. Who was that? No, please. It's Heather. Please continue. Okay, but don't forget what you wanted to say. Yes. Um, in my book, Soul Construction, in the chapter on positive speech, constructive speech, I, I speak about um, accepting criticism from people and yeah. about sometimes that criticism comes in a you know sensitive, tactful format, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, and yeah. I share a story there about how I was once on a Facebook group for parents of special needs kids, and I asked a question about you know, a situation that I was dealing with and if anybody had any advice and somebody answered me like really, really rudely, like kind of, kind of throwing me under the bus for being what, what she felt was neglectful in a certain way. I don't even remember the, I'm not trying to be vague. I just don't even remember the details anymore. Um, and I was so hurt because this was a support group wow. <laughs> was supposed to be supportive, wow. you know, and here I am like being very vulnerable and sharing this like, kind of really painful, you know, difficult experience that I was having. And I felt like she just shot me down. And I was so hurt that I left the Facebook group wow. and, and, and I thought about what she said for nine months and nine months later, I actually took her advice because she was right. Mm. But it took me that long. And Laura, I don't know if you had like a timeline where you just kind of needed to nurse those hurts, but it took me a long time to be able to move out of she was so rude mode into what maybe she also had some good advice for me mode, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it it was something like professionally the way to approach a, a like location that I had to enter for, for something for work. And it was just more like some part of it was, you just don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And I had to learn. And um, yeah, it was, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough 
take it from a from a you know a a person who's doesn't feel like they have your best interest at heart right. and being a bully right. you know but That's right. wow okay heather you're up um i know barry has said to us in class and i i know we've heard it in this class as well like that like what you're saying and what the album is saying that the the feedback we hear if it's such a high level to just think of it as being neutral because like when we get accolades right it's really just information saying like just keep doing what you're doing right yes. or the, yes. the stuff that's like hurtful is the like here's how you could be better and she oh. says she gave the example of if someone said to you hey you freaking moron you dropped your wallet you would be so grateful. <laughs> so the package in which the message is delivered is not always so nice, but That's it doesn't good. mean we shouldn't be grateful to hear it. That's very good. That's very good. You know, it's interesting. Right before this class, I had a meeting with my cousin, Miriam Koval, who runs our Young Families um, Division. And it's a newer division at JFX. So we've been talking about different events that we could do. And we ran this one event and we were kind of debriefing the event and sort of going over some feedback that we had received, you know, and I was like, listen, all the, all the feedback is good because it's going to help us craft our events. Yeah, that's right. You know, and I said like at Momentum, which is most of you know, this organization that takes women to Israel, we call it piloting something like if we're trying some new vendor or some new tour guide or some new program, right. We'll say, well, we're piloting it for the spring trip. Right. And then we'll wait and see, we'll get our evaluations and our feedback. And then we'll decide like, is this a program that was a hit? So like going into it, you know, that not everything is going to be a hit, but there's no way to know if it's going to be successful unless you try it. But it's such a great way of depersonalizing the feedback and making it less hurtful because it's well, you're doing it for the feedback, you know? That's right. And, and it's like, it's like when I first sent in my manuscript to my editor and I'm like, what are they going to say? What are they going to say? What are they going to say? You know? And when, when I got back the first round of edits, I went through every single comment and I was, I was like, kind of like bracing myself, like, oh, that was bad grammar. Oh, that was, oh, I made that mistake. Oh, that doesn't really appear in the Talmud. It appears somewhere else. And, uh, you know, trying so hard to depersonalize it because of course I'm literally paying somebody to tell me what my mistakes are, right? <laughs> You know, but we, we, we just have a hard time with this in real life it does sting and we do personalize it. Okay. Anything else on 20? Okay. 21. Here we go. Um, Rabot Machshavot Belev Ish. This is, by the way, I, I say this every so often. This is one of the more famous quotes from this book. It's made its way into our daily prayers, but not only has this verse made its way into our daily prayers, it's also like kind of like a, like a, the kind of proverb that I find myself just saying sometimes because it applies to so many different aspects of our life. Rabot Machshavot Belev Ish, there are many thoughts in a man's heart, but the plan of Hashem, that shall stand. So some of you may be familiar with the expression, man plans and God laughs. Yeah. Right. Um, or as they say, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. So, um, you know, that this is kind of like the genesis of that, that we 
we have so many plans, all the things we want to do and all the things we're going to get done today and all the places that we want to go and, you know, mapping out exactly what we thought our lives were going to look like. And we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And by this age, we're going to have this accomplished. And by that age, we're going to have that accomplished, right? There are many thoughts in a man's heart, but God's plan is what we'll endure. So we have to have this, you know, ambition and this drive and this planning for the future. Those are good things. You know, that's actually very interesting. Many look at that as a function of the Yetzirah. Now, we're used to talking about the Yetzirah as a negative drive, right? Or as a negative temptation. But actually, it's a fascinating story in the Talmud that there was a Yetzirah, a negative drive or temptation for idol worship, in the first temple era and the Jewish people were like dropping like hotcakes and the rabbis asked God, they prayed to God to abolish the Yetzirah, to take it away. It's too strong. We can't withstand this temptation. You need to take it away. So for one day, God took away the Yetzirah and what happened? Nobody procreated. Uh, Chickens didn't lay eggs. Like nobody, nobody came up with new plans. Everything stopped functioning. Why? Because really the Yetzirah, we always talk about it like it's a bad thing. Actually, the Yetzirah is a neutral thing. Actually, the Yetzirah is a drive to achieve, to accomplish, to make your mark, to do something powerful in the world. Now, that could very easily turn to the desire for honor and glory and envy and naked ambition and greed. It could flip, but actually the drive itself is inherently neutral. And what was God trying to show the rabbis? Do not pray for the Yetzirah to go away. If the Yetzirah goes away, literally the world stops turning. What should you pray for instead? You should pray for that your Yetzirah, those drives and temptations and ambitions should be channeled into the appropriate places so you can build and grow and accomplish and influence others positively and make your mark on the world, right? So all of this where we say, many thoughts in man's heart, but the, the thought of God that will endure. Don't make the mistake of thinking that all of these many thoughts and plans in a God in, in man's head is a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a neutral thing. Have thoughts, have plans, have ambitions. We know when we look at people who are unwell, who are emotionally or mentally unwell, what is it? It's a hopelessness. It's a lack of drive and ambition. It's the idea that I'm not going to make a difference in this world. That's being unwell. A healthy person desires to get out of bed and do something with your life and make a difference. Okay. So that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But we also have to approach that ambition from a position, from a standpoint of humility. I will have plans and I have lots of ideas, Hashem, but I acknowledge that I am not in charge of the end result. You are the one who's in charge of the end result. And I'm going to try my best to do X, Y, and Z. Maybe it will work out. Maybe it will not work out. If it doesn't work out, I will humbly submit myself to the plan for the universe that you have, Hashem, and I'll figure out what to do next. Wow. You know, I just got this idea in my head. Wow. 
Um, I was teaching a, a college class on Zoom last night and I was doing my new book, The Pirkei Avot Daily Reader, which by the way, for those of you who have contributed, thank you so much. I so appreciate it. If you would like to contribute, definitely let me know. Um, and I was thinking to myself, gosh, how cool would it be if in addition to my book, I created a podcast where I read out loud each of these teachings and dropped it for the day of the year that it yes. corresponds to. Yes. Each yes. podcast would literally yeah. be like yes. two minutes. Yeah. And you like yes. that idea, CP. Yeah, oh my enthusiasm my, my is head, inspiring. No, my head is falling off because I, I have no <laughs> attention span, zero. My attention is crazy, but two minutes I can hold on to it. If it's you, I can do three minutes. <laughs> so I'm so excited right now. Okay. So, okay, fine. So I'm, think, I'm thinking about this as I'm taking a walk this morning. And I'm like, okay, Ruchi, that's a great idea, which I hadn't even seen yet. I haven't even, I hadn't even taken a look at the book yet to know that this is what we were going to be talking about today. I was like, that's a great idea. Let's see what Hashem has to think. <laughs> Let's see what Hashem has to say. So I'm going to try, definitely going to try. Oh, I'm sharing for you. That's my whole life. That's because I grew up with a musser. So literally what you're saying is how I live my life every single day. I'm so excited right now. So yeah, amazing. So there has to be, you know, it almost sounds like a contradiction, you know, this sense of confidence and ambition coupled with a healthy humility. Nope, it is not. We never really know. We never really know. Okay. I have, can I say something? I'm bursting. Go ahead. <laughs> and then I'm going to read the commentary. Yeah. Okay, great. That's called informed consent, Ruthie. That means, sure, I'll respect your boundaries and I'll let you know what's about to happen. I love Musser. You're so amazing. Okay, basically, when I was 14, I learned a Chazal that says, which means who is why, somebody who learns from every other person. I had dyslexia, ADHD, for sure autism, post-traumatic stress disorder, all the disorders and problems by the time I was 14. I couldn't, I couldn't pass tests. I couldn't do anything. I failed at everything, socially, emotionally, academically. I was a failure. But I was, I was like, oh, I can just learn from people. That's easy. It was the easiest thing. I was never told to do something so easy. Fast forward 20 years. I'm 34 right now. I was at a support group two nights ago. Okay. Nodding away. It was an amazing group. Nodding away the speaker. And then the person next to me said, you're really wise. That's beautiful. That's that's what you're teaching. That's what yeah. you're teaching. All you have to do is listen. Rookie, all like you've known me since I was a child. You met me when I was 15 years old. That's why I'm falling off. Like, And Ellen has known me since I was like 20. <laughs> But like, all I have to do is listen. Chazal, the Torah just says, just listen. All you have to do to be wise. And then this guy just met me in a support group for the first time. And that's the one word he picked up on. Wow. Everyone else would say I have ADHD and I'm bursting. No, I'm just wise. That's the only thing I am. Okay, thank you. I'm done. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Let's go to the commentary 21. A human being, this is what we were reading before, a human being believes himself full of possibilities, potential modes of thought and courses of action to choose as he wills. So this is ambition from a standpoint of arrogance. I can do anything. I can accomplish anything. You know, this has really seeped into our worldview. I was looking for a birthday card for my daughter and um, I picked up this one card and it said, you go girl, you can put, you can do anything you put your mind to. You can get the whole world, you know, you got the world in the palm of your hands. I'm like, actually, I want my daughter to know know. that she's good enough exactly the way she is. She doesn't have to take on the whole world. She doesn't have to accomplish everything all the time. And guess what? You actually can't do everything 
you put your mind to, because some things that you try will work out the way you want them to. And some things that you try will not work out the way you want them to. And that's okay. As long as you learn from each of your experiences and move on. So, you know, I think we sort of have to watch the messages that are coming at us from our culture, because some of them are actually, they sound really empowering, but sometimes they're just not true. That's right. That's right. Um, yet the single council or plan that actually goes into practical effect is often decided by Hashem overriding a man's apparent freedom. Now, this is why we are not judged on the outcomes of our efforts because the outcomes of our efforts are largely not in our hands. Let me give you an example. Let's say that somebody, um, I don't know how many of you saw the Netflix show on Jewish matchmaking with Aliza Ben Shalom. It was really cute. So anyway, Aliza Ben Shalom, this, this matchmaker, she came to Cleveland and she was speaking for the Chabad of downtown, I think. And one of the things we should, she was saying is everybody should be a matchmaker. She's like, don't say to yourself, oh, that person's doing it. That If you know singles, you should try to introduce girls. And everybody, okay, so her whole thing was like teaching everybody to be a matchmaker. Her point was not that it's your job to get people married. That's their department. That's God's department. What is your job? Your job is to make introductions. That's all. And if you are making introductions, if you are reaching out, you are doing this incredible, important, beautiful mitzvah. Of course, of course, it's not in your hands. You know, you know, somebody who needs a job, you know, give them a few leads. You don't know if they'll actually get a job. Your success or failure isn't determined by whether they actually got the job. Your success or failure is whether you did what you could to bring them closer to getting a job. The results are in Hashem's hands. Maybe it's meant to be for them to get that job. Maybe there's a better job waiting around the corner. You don't know. Some people feel so dejected when their efforts don't bear fruit because they're like, oh, I introduced these people. They really seem to like each other. And then it just sort of didn't work out. I feel so bad. Well, don't feel so bad. You did everything that you could that's you right, did your mitzvah right, right. and keep doing more mitzvahs that's great that's right that's, you know, right. So, that's right so this whole verse is on the one hand it's a little like you know hard to hear because it's like you know even that expression god plans and man god plans and man laughs which it happens to be that it rhymes in yiddish got tracht uman lacht i'll tell you the truth i've said it many times but i don't really like it because I don't really like the image of God laughing at me. That doesn't really feel really, that doesn't really feel very good. The right. way I like to understand it is God. And that's what I was saying. And at first it's like hard to hear, like, well, I have all these plans. Like, why are you laughing at my plans, God? Like, I want you to bless my plans. But actually the truth is that Hashem knows what's good for us and what's not good for us. And so sometimes our plans are not going to work out because that's, that's just not what's good for us. So it's like Hashem is our partner in wow. our plans, protecting us from the outcomes that will not be healthy for us. Sometimes that relationship that you're pursuing is not going to be good for you. Sometimes that job that you wish you could have will suck you dry spiritually, you know, or sometimes that wow. move that you think you want to make would be actually a terrible environment for you. So try to accept like when you try to do something and you feel like, well, why is Hashem shutting down my efforts? Try to look at it as though he's protecting you and saving you from those outcomes because there's a better outcome in store for you. 
Okay, I know it's 1246, so if anyone has to go, great. But if there's any thoughts, comments, or questions on 21 before we close for today, I would love to hear them. Thank you. My head is going to fall off. I cannot wait until next week. <laughs> Amazing. I'm so excited. Thanks, guys, for participating. Thanks, Rocky. Great to see you all here today. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a great Excellent. afternoon. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat. I think it's Rosh Chodesh coming up too. Yes. yes. Thank you, Naomi. Tonight is Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh is Friday and Shabbat for the month of Adar, which is a month of joy and happiness. So see what you can do to bring more joy into your life, you guys. Torah. Literally only Torah. Okay. And a little wine. <laughs> a little wine. Never hurt anybody. Okay. Oh, and a little wine. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. see wise must makes you wise there we go (laughs) thanks thanks bye guys bye bye